Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists empowerment talk radio. Speaking truth to our and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? I am a revolutionary. It's about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside of the White House. African descent family, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action blo- auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God... Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. matters. Transforming truth truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Thank you for joining us on Our Common Ground tonight. As we begin our annual celebration special emphasis for the month of black history. I'm Janice Graham. Stay tuned.
Good God, I'm gonna take you home to my Jesus. Ain't that good news, my Lord? Ain't that good news? It's good news. Black History Month at Our Common Ground. History matters.
You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, Janice Graham. Queen Quet, 
Marquetta L. Goodwine. She is the head of state for the Gula Geechee Nation, and we're going to be talking with her about the important and significant history of that place and it be us today. This is our common ground, and when we come from this point of information, we'll be with the with Queen Ket, the head of the head of state of the Gula Geechee Nation and their chiefess. both are people. They are ethnic groups of people. In the Gullah Geechee Nation, we are one group of people from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida. So our nation encompasses all of what are called the Sea Islands and 30 to 35 miles inland to the St. John's River. Now, Gullah is also a language. Now, from that language, like any other language of the world, you have a dialect. Geechee essentially is a dialect of the Gullah language. It is also what linguists would call the pidgin or bridge language. It's both Gullah and Yichi. The reason we have those terms is because of the African ethnic groups that were brought over during chattel enslavement that made the foundation for our culture. So we had Angolans who first arrived here directly from the motherland. That their names got cut off, it got sort of denigrated into just being shortened to Angola. But when they sold our people on auction blocks, they would say, well, I have a cargo of Gullah for sale. So you first got that usage of the term Gullah about the people, but from Angolans. Um, to be Gullah is to be fully aware of the connection you have with nature. And the land is a family member to us, and the waterways are our bloodline. So that has to do with every living element of it. So including the herbs and the bushes that grow, we do use them. We use them more to sustain your health than we use them to have to heal. You know, we still go to the water, fishing, shrimping. You know, we still hunt. 
In fact, I am just finishing up um, some deer meat, you know, so, so those, that type of thing, you know, so it's being self-sufficient from the land and the water. We still hold on to those things, having your own land. When you have your own land, you, have, you always have a place to live. You can feed yourself. So for us, it's always about that circle of connection and continuation. Our shout <laughs> tradition. spiritual movement is a circle and every time someone comes from somewhere else to our community if they don't talk to us but they watch and they listen here not just here they start to tune into that circle and if they've been anywhere else they'll say wow I saw that in West Africa wow I saw that in the Caribbean Wow, I saw that in Brazil. Wow, I saw that just up the road a piece. But I haven't seen him lately. It's what we hear often. And we'll say, you know why? Because before when we were out front with everything, especially when we were in the crack, we teach like a dish and thing wrong, all the rest of the people and thing like that, and then I'll stand, we told her. There were multiple ethnic groups kidnapped from the Windward Coast, Rice Coast of West Africa, or Al-Kibulan, all the way down to Angola, as well as some from Madagascar. And those became our ancestors because they were placed on these islands and blended together. And as a result, they blended their heritage, their culture, their language. And that's how we became Kaligichi people. <laughs> Gotta get you at 93. So some of you crack we teeth like that, it's just stiff and thing like that. Nah, act like we still that them thing throw up them rice, you know? Neither worry the girl under and a crocker's bag. Here, how we got sense. Mother with that thing. Other us the people that come in there crack anything like that. Tell we for throw away all of who we've been there. Throw away this year. Throw away the way we do this year. And eat it. What is it? We for throw away. Yeah. One walk we and thing like that. But still now, one give you credit for none that walk. And build up all of this shit. Line. Well, honey, yet vote now called America. The people are there right here in America. Now, yet vote we. Tall dog. So, then I come in there for do this shit. Then I come in there. And they're under me and thing like that. Still going back, you know. See, they ain't been doing nothing but this shit. Go to Gichi. I see. And the time they come in and yet they see we the crack we teeth like this and it's like, eh? But then if we talk to them like this, then they understand and they go back and tell their friends we really are there. But the thing to us that we don't grasp is 
Why is it that if we speak our culture, we speak our and live our language, we do all of that, why is it that then they wanted to hide us away? But then when we code switched and then could communicate with them in their language, they, then they really hid us away by saying we didn't exist anymore. So when they come in, and we crack teeth like this, and then like that, uh, and then we change and we say, hi, how are you doing? Then we have people go back and write, I visited the Sea Islands from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida. I had heard of this group of people that supposedly resided there, but they must not be there anymore. And as I said to you, but didn't seem like y'all got that part. We're standing right there saying to them, we're right here. What kind of crazy people are these that we're standing right in front of them and they don't see us? So wherever we come, we ain't come here dry long soon. Because none of we get here by we sin. Somebody had to do something for we be here today. Some of we would have been hungry if somebody else ain't feed you. If somebody ain't had the mind for plant care. If somebody had the mind for plant meadows. If somebody had the mind for plant cubes, we wouldn't have been. But rather was than that. If somebody ain't had the mind for freedom, where we would have been at the so now we have a generation of people that pass through Reconstruction. They go into the early 1900s that are homeowners, landowners of the same property on which they or their parents had been enslaved on because Gullah Geechis became the first group of African people in North America to be landowners in mass. Because why? Also during that Civil War, came land auctions and many of our ancestors the same folks they thought were backward and ignorant while they were considered chattel were builders of boats makers of cast nets like what you saw here they were makers of baskets they were makers of woodcrafts they were blacksmiths in fact the Angolans were the first groups of Africans kidnapped, captured, and brought in a region called the Sea Islands. And the Sea Islands from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida, and then 30 to 35 miles inland onto the mainland to a river called St. John's is the Gullah Geechee Nation today. And we are honored at our common ground to bring to you a true head of state. Queen Pet Marquetta L. Goodwine is a published author, computer scientist, lecturer, mathematician, historian. She has appeared in and consulted for over a dozen films that range from full-length action films to historic documentaries. She has won countless awards for being a woman of distinction for her scholarship, writing, artistic presentation, activism, cultural continuation, and environmental preservation. Queen Pet's accolades include the United States Jefferson Award for Community Service, 
the Jean Laney Folk Heritage Award for Gula Advocacy from the State of South Carolina, the inaugural Living Legacy Award from the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, the inaugural Hotep Award, the inaugural Myviney Betch Conservation Award, numerous Women Woman of Distinction Awards, the Black History Her Story Award, being featured on the Wall of Heroes at the National Wilderness Society in D.C. She was selected, elected, and installed by her people to be the first Queen Mother, Head Pande Bodhi, an official spokesperson for the Gullah Geechee Nation. As a result, she is respectively referred to as Queen Cat, Chiefess of the Gullah Geechee Nation and Head of State, and we are so very honored to ask you to stand as we receive Queen Cat. Queen Cat, thank you so very much for joining us. Peace and blessing. How long are you going to do this evening? Oh, I'm a doing it. We, give, um, I've been, I've been, I've been struggling all week. Uh, trying to, so. to learn this language. <laughs> yes, <it> so. <laughs> Don't worry about that tall, tall. Y'all left that alone. <laughs> but what I can say, on her crack your teeth out the rest of the week. What I can say to you, Tinky Tinky, for all oh, right, to God that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first word I learned. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> So glad it would be your pond the common ground this evening with Hunter this year, dear Sister Graham. And so glad that all of the, the family together there in the chat room and things like that. They let me know. Plenty of other us are chilling now. Can't crack your teeth like this year and probably not stand tall, tall. So just so your listeners don't get scared, I can't speak this language, but I definitely bring you greetings on behalf of the entire Gullah Geechee Nation. So don't worry about trying our language, okay? Because people have been married to us 50 years and they don't know it either. They just listen for their names. So don't feel bad. <laughs> well, one of the things that we do want to underscore is that the Gullah Geechee Nation is the only indigenous African people in America who are bilingual. That's that's an excellent point that you've made because no other interviewer has ever made that point, just like it was interesting to me that I recently read an article that was printed in Norway's largest newspaper about the Gullah Geechee Nation, and they pointed out the fact that I'm America's only queen uh-huh. that was ever elected absolutely. here. Yes, yeah, so those absolutely. two points are critical, especially starting Black History Month. For those who can't see me, never saw me, I'm black. Um, so, so those are some critical points uh, that and, I, I appreciate you pointing that out. I, I should, and beautiful indeed. Queen Cat, tell us about who you are, who the nation is, and please explain and and embrace our audience to have them understand how they are a part of your mm-hmm. nation, too. Excellent. Well, I'm Queen Quet. I'm Chief and Head of State for the Gullah Geechee Nation. I'm a native of historic St. Helena Island, which is in Beaufort County, South Carolina, the Gullah Geechee Nation actually begins in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and extends to Jacksonville, Florida, on what are called the Sea Islands, as well as what people often read about called the Low Country, Carolina, Georgia, Low Country, and Northeastern Florida. 
our nation goes inland to the St. John's River. So that's our westernmost boundary. So our ancestors, as many of you who have been here from the beginning of the broadcast heard, actually the first of our ancestors were Angolan. And due to the corruption of their names, we ended up with the name Gullah over many of the African people who had been enslaved in this region from the 1600s on until 18, well, for everybody else, I guess you would say 1865. For us, 1862, in the sense that at the beginning of the U.S. Civil War, many Gullah Geechees became landowners in mass and also the Emancipation Proclamation related directly to Gullah Geechees. So when people start to make a link between other people of African descent in America, and some people might say, well, wait a minute, they jumped from that point about being the only African indigenous group in North America. How is that to this? Well, the reason being is because there's a couple of points to us being indigenous. One is Gullah Geechee culture evolved as a culture on North American soil in the Sea Islands. So it is indigenous to here. It is related back to the motherland because Ibo, Mandinka, Malinke, Yoruba, Gola, Gizi, Mendi, Temni, Fiki, Bibio, and numerous other African ethnic groups make up Gullah Geechee's in terms of our DNA, in terms of our cultural uh, dynamics, as well as our language, which is the Gullah language. And then Geechee is a pigeon for the linguists out there, or a dialect of the Gullah language, which for many years people said was broken English, which it never was. English. English comes from a Germanic tree of languages, where Gullah comes from an African tree. So now when we get into how does your listening audience relate, how they connected to the Gullah Geechee Nation is because all African people enslaved in North America have a common root in the motherland. But Sullivan's Island in the Gullah Geechee Nation, where I was installed, actually is where over 40% of all Africans enslaved in North America came through. So although someone may only know two or three generations back of their family and say, well, but my family's in New York, if they trace further back, it's very likely that their initial ancestors that were kidnapped and then brought into North America came through Sullivan's Island, and that would make the link in that way. But as African people, we are linked anyway. We are family anyway around the world because the African diaspora stretches around the world. But again, in terms of our culture, Gullah Geechee's also have indigenous American, or as some would call it Native American ancestry, because some Gullah Geechee's did intermarry with Kusabo, the Yemasee, the Adisto, the Cree, who were the indigenous peoples on this coast. And many of your listeners have probably heard of black Seminoles, or Seminoles, or Afro-Seminoles, that's actually Gullah Geechee's, okay? Those are Gullah Geechee people. The reason that they got labeled Seminole, because these were the unconquerable Gullah Geechee's. These were the people who fought back against the enslavement that had been going on for over 40 years. So Seminole came from Cimarron, wild or exiled. And so today... You have many people who are in the Bahamas, that are in Texas, that are in Mexico, that are Gullah Geechee. They speak Gullah. They may add other words from Spanish in it in Mexico, but they speak Gullah, and they are Gullah Geechee. So you have a Gullah Geechee diaspora of the African diaspora that connects us to a lot 
of different cultures that many people tend to overlook and forget or they never heard of us anyway. So uh, so here are those links and who we are and how we came to exist. So in 1999, I became the first Gullah Geechee person to speak on behalf of the human rights violations that had happened to my people from chattel enslavement up to today's destruction and attempts at cultural genocide at the United Nations in Geneva, Switzerland. It took one year from that point to July of 2000 for an election to be held to elect a head of state for the Gullah Geechee Nation and to declare ourselves a nation standing on our human right to self-determination. And so although during chattel enslavement we were written of as to our nation within a nation, people did not adhere to that. But when we spoke up and stood up as one body, and that's why I was elected head from the body, that is when the world recognized, yes, this is a nation, and this is a nation with a landmass, and if you have the landmass and you have the leadership, and then you have a constitution, which we have all of the above, and a flag, you can go forth and then demand what your human rights are and then make the world recognize that they need to respect those rights. So I am the head of state for my people, and I was also instilled as the queen mother, as a spiritual leader, and also as the official spokesperson for Gullah Geechee's around the world. Now, the, the Gullah Geechee Nation exists from, from North Carolina all the way uh, down to Jacksonville, Florida. Yes, and, so but it goes in, in, inland, on the, it goes, it, it, and, and it encompasses all of the sea islands and about 40 miles into the, into inland to the St. John's River on that mm-hmm. corridor. And that corridor yes. mm-hmm. was standardized in what year? So when you say standardized, are you referring to now when the U.S. looked at it, or do you mean when, when US, we actually yes, made the when declaration? when the U.S. looked at it. Mm-hmm. Okay, when the U.S. started to look at this, it was because the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, which I founded, which is the first organization in the world to exist, focused on issues for Gullah Geechees and with Gullah Geechee in the name. We made a petition to the U.S. Congress and worked with Congressman James Clyburn at that time to get the federal government to recognize our ethnic group as a unique ethnic group of the United States. As a result of doing this, that is when they said, well, how can we do that? I mean, how would we know? So part of that was explaining to them the geography of our culture. When they then started up what was called a special resource study of low country color culture, that was the title to it initially, they went forth with anthropologists, sociologists, and so on. And once you start to examine the history of where we've been, that is the landmass that our people, who you could see the living delineation, you knew the language was there. You knew the sweet grass basketry, the fishing traditions, the agricultural traditions, the foodways. All of this was consistent throughout this region. So that is when they recognized why also the Gullah Geechee Nation had accepted those boundaries. So they then also respected and accepted those boundaries because they could find factual data to support it, historical information to support this. And they knew that once you went further inland into upcountry in certain places or inland country in, in the different states, you had different cultures there. You still had people of African descent 
but they did not have this language and they didn't have the same traditions. Let's talk a little about the demographics because, mm-hmm. you know, I've been talking to you. Uh, I think we we met um, many years ago, oh, 15 yes, years definitely. ago. Yeah, it's not uh, 20 at this point. Mm-hmm. I know. And, and you were working very hard to create uh, recognition uh, yes. for the Carter. How many mm-hmm. people are we talking about? Do you do a census? Well, yeah, it's it's interesting because, as you know, I'm a mathematician, so I'm someone that always gives you this caveat before I answer this question that everybody wants to know, is that the data pool that says how many Gullah Geechee's live within this area only usually has come from linguists and socioanthropologists stating estimates of only the South Carolina and Georgia Sea Islands, not North Carolina, not Florida, and not any of the mainland area or low country area. So they guesstimated more than 10 years ago, probably 15 at this point, that there was a half a million Gullah Geechee's living here. That did not count the Gullah Geechee's in urban areas or in the military or in other places in the world. Now, as a mathematician, who was an honor student in math, when I looked at the data pool, which largely came from census, I already saw a minimum 50% margin of error. So that meant there was at least 750,000 on just the Sea Islands in South Carolina and Georgia. So if you start to take in the others outside that area, even furthering going north and south to Jacksonville, you're looking at upwards of a million people that live in the Gullah Geechee Nation. And so... It's no small number of us that are still here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, most people in our audience who are not familiar with anything about this, and I, I, I just, I'll tell you, um, um, one of the things that surprises me is how few people um, who live in outside of this southern uh, coastal area um, Mm -hmm. know and understand that these are real people. This is a real uh, nation of people with their very distinct cultural art um, lifestyles. So tell us about, let's look at some other demographics. So of these million people, mm-hmm. to what extent are, are, are they engaged in, in, what's the employment and, and, and the labor issues? What, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, um, I, I know that you have a very um, specific kind of uh, tourist uh, activities uh, mm-hmm. That you do, you do tours, and other people do tours, and you have festivals. Tell us about that kind of characteristic within the nation. Well, it's very interesting for a lot of folks because the part of the world of the Gullah Geechee Nation that many do not get to see unless they come to something like our Gullah Geechee Seafood Festival, which we hold every other year, so it'll be held this year in October on St. Helena and Hunting Islands. These are the types of industries our ancestors had that we still maintain. So 
our top industries amongst Gullah Geechees in the Gullah Geechee Nation are sea work, agriculture, and tourism. So sea work is, of course, fishing, harvesting of crabs, oysters, clams from the waterways, all right, a variety of fish and so on. So that is, has been and continues to be one of our main industries. Much of the food that you probably are eating even up in Boston or anywhere else that your listeners may be is truck farmed from the Gullah Geechee Nation to other cities across America, and some things are even shipped out from here internationally. So those are major export-type industries as well as localized industries that we've maintained from our, through our traditions. Now, tourism is something that has to become an adaptable, an adaptable economy. And what I mean by that is there are different things when you say tourism. Some are positive and some are negative for us. Because general tourism is negative for us. It has had a negative impact on our environment. It has had a negative impact on the culture. And it has forced the displacement of our people from places such as Hilton Head Island, Myrtle Beach, the Strand area, all of that is Gullah Geechee Nation. And people got pushed out so that people could come in and have recreation instead of education and continuation of culture. When you have ecotourism and cultural tourism, that is where you'll see, like, at com, where we're announcing the tours that we do, like the Gullah Root Experience Tour or Day Clean Journeys Tour. These are guided tours owned and operated by Gullah Geechees that welcome you in our community, not have you coming into our community as if you're going on safari. Um, you know, and then just peeping through windows and, and taking pictures of people at the distance and this kind of stuff. And it does go on. And so we do cultural tourism, we do heritage tourism, and we do ecotourism. All of the above is then culturally sensitive, and it also empowers the Gullah Geechee people themselves. You get to go to Gullah Geechee-owned and operated restaurants, stores, businesses go directly to the craft people who make the cast nets, the sweet grass baskets, who cook the food, and who this has been our legacy growing up. Not folks who are moving in here of any and other, you know, all kind of ethnic groups moving in and then setting up shops claiming they're going to take you to look at the gullahs or that they've lived amongst us so they have a right to do it. We're not promoting that stuff. We are not usually the ones that the Chamber of Commerce even will tell you about. Even if we're members, they will direct you to something that somebody else owns because they know that part of the dynamic that we would discuss are the things that are negatively impacting the community, and they don't want you to talk about that or to talk about the current issues of environmental injustices or human rights, and they don't want you to talk about that. They would rather take you on plantation tours and talk about the past, keep you in enslavement, talk only about Carolina gold rice and things that happened during enslavement, but never talk about freedom. And so with that tourism aspect, although it brings in billions of dollars to this coast every year, a very minuscule amount, way less than 10% of that, ever makes its way into the hands of Gullah Geechees unless people directly contact us at the Gullah Geechee Nation so that we can make sure that you are with Gullah Geechee people. What's interesting to us on that note, too, is how people don't come to us 
Now, they're on Facebook. They're on Twitter. They can Google us, anything. And they won't contact us to come on a tour or come to a restaurant we own. But let them go on somebody else's that they never saw us recommend. And when it doesn't turn out to be the truth or it turns out to be somebody black but someone who never knew anything about Gullah talking to them, they suddenly write us a complaint letter. So it's not as if they didn't know how to reach us, so we don't know why they wait till after the disappointed to reach out to the authentic people. But that's a critical thing. So people just come into this area, stay in the hotel, doesn't mean you're supporting us because those hotels aren't owned by us. They're owned by national chains. So that's a dynamic that we have to deal with. And so our industries largely are those things, like I said, that you don't just get to see unless people bring you into the heart of the community and you need one of us who the vineyard and things like that, the entities coming up, people will go and do that. And so you need one of us who's truly from here to do that one, you know. So those are the major industries. We do have a lot of our people that work for the government in the sense that they work for county governments and they work for town governments. And they work within everything from the assessor's office to using heavy equipment. And many of our people are still in construction because that that has been part of our African tradition as well as architects and construction workers from the time of our enslavement. In fact, our Angolan ancestors were blacksmiths. That's why they were brought here. And they had our architectural knowledge, and that's why they were kidnapped and brought here. Their skill sets were very varied, and we have not stopped that. And so people don't give us credit for that, that even a lot of these gated areas is built by Gullah Geechee hands, just like plantation houses were built by Gullah Geechee hands. But that's a major industry for us as well. Um, So when you look at it, again, you're not going to find those statistics in census. You're not going to find those statistics using anybody's thesis paper because they don't tend to look at that and value that we have that kind of engineering knowledge and other things along those lines as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, in terms of um, ages, and mm-hmm. I, I do want to talk about uh, education and and then move on into some governance and, and cultural issues, but sure. in terms of age, one of the first things that I learned about the Gullah Geechee Nation was that we had generations of elders within the nation who essentially had not assimilated in any way for generations from one generation to the other into the American, I guess we'll call it cesspool. Mm. (laughs) Um, Tell us about um, your demographics along the uh, age um, and, and, and engagement. I can tell you right now, we don't do that um, because culturally we do not consider head counting to be something that you should do. And that's why I made that caveat earlier about statistical yeah. measures. And as a mathematician, I don't go into that. So I'm not going to be able to give you any accurate statistics of our age breakdowns. I will tell you this, um, from the baby to the breast, literally, that's being born while I'm on on this interview with you, we have people ranging up to 106 years old. And we have a great deal of people, if they live on the sea islands and not in our urban centers like Jacksonville, either Jacksonville or Wilmington or Charleston or Savannah, that, that are well at their 90s and 100, when I say, well, I'm talking about these folks cook their own food, 
they will still mm-hmm. rake their yards. They will drive if you let them drive. They remember stuff back to 1930-something. They can tell you about things, where people live, and tell you how many people got this many children in the family and what these kids' names are and all kinds of things. So you're talking about an environment that has led to people tending to have long life if they live positive lives and they take care of their bodies. And in terms of engagement, the elders and the youth engage every day. We don't live compartmentally like the Western society where, you know, somehow your family is a husband, a wife, and 2.5 kids. I never understood as a mathematician how you have a half a child, but that is their measurement of family. Our measurement of family is usually about 100-something people. You know, we live in a family compound, so you have a constant intergenerational interaction. So those little babies get to be around great-grandma, who 102, <laughs> you know, and they get to learn how to cook from grandma, who is 85, you know, and that kind of thing. So, um, so in our community, we have a lot of elders, and if you've got good sense, you better respect them. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that uh, you have, as head of state, uh, assisted the nation and its leadership, uh, or I should say, say teammanship, because mm-hmm. you really don't engage in the, in the form of leadership as, as most people know it, that you have a, a, a mission and you, you've established goals. But one of the things that you do have is you have this national declaration which articulates mm-hmm. the goals and the mission of the nation. And you also have a govern, governing principles which are stated in a constitution, Tell us about that. Well, first of all, our Constitution is 21 pages long, and it outlines how our government of the Gullah Geechee Nation is structured. It starts off with our mission statement and our declaration. On July the 2nd, the year 2000, at Sullivan's Island, where I was installed, was when the Gullah Geechee Nation Declaration was first brought forth to the world. And this was so that the U.S. federal government, as well as the international observers from the United Nations and others who were there from around the world, truly understood, and I like to say overstood, what the Gullah Geechee Nation was standing for and what we intended to do as a nation of people. And our mission and our declaration says to preserve, protect, and promote our history, heritage, culture, language, and homeland, and to institute and demand official recognition of the governance and rights necessary to accomplish our mission to take care of our community through collective efforts, which will provide a healthy environment, care for the well-being of each person, and economic empowerment, some of which you and I have already been discussing. It goes on from there into our goals, into our preamble, and then follows with 21 pages that outlines my position as chief and head of state, outlines the position of the Wisdom Circle Council of Elders members, which are essentially my cabinet. If you want to parallel it to U.S. government standards, they would be a cabinet. You then also have the Assembly of Representatives, 
which are our representatives from throughout the Gullah Geechee Nation, who you could parallel to the U.S. Congress only in terms of the fact that we have them, not in terms of their behavior in the least, okay? And so <laughs> we work as a, a full body. So I'm considered the head upon the body. The Council of Elders is essentially my right hand. The Assembly of Representatives is my left hand. And the rest of the citizens of the Gullah Geechee Nation are the, the rest of the body. They make up those internal organs. They make up those legs and so on that keep us moving forward as a people. And so I am because you are essentially encompasses all of what we are in the Gullah Geechee Nation, Ubuntu. You have everyone works together. So we don't have a hierarchy like you were, you were kind of articulating that. We have a traditional circular structure. So everything that goes into the circle, we know eventually comes back around. It's like having a sweetgrass basket, and all of us have to hold on the edges of it, and all of us got to fan it together. Well, whatever the guine in it, the kind out. And what honey want the guine in it, and come out from the honey, then honey want that for be good thing. So you don't want to put dirt and negativity in there because it's coming back on you. So our community entrusts us to not only lead here, but wherever we are around the world, and to take the issues that they want to the rest of the world, not take something because my personal opinion. And so it is a different kind of position of leadership. And because I have more than one title in that leadership, because I'm a queen and I'm a head of state, it's kind of interesting when I'm at the United Nations because a lot of presidents are there, prime ministers. So whenever it's time to say, well, oh, we want photographs of all the heads of state, the prime minister, the president, they're like, queen, queen, everyone. Then I say, okay, who goes first? They all go, wait a minute, you're the queen. Queens always trump presidents, you know. And so they also recognize me as a different kind of leader, but also equal with them. So it's, it's a very interesting dynamic at home and abroad having this kind of structure to our government and having our constitution really lay that out as well as our uh, security system for the nation and everything. So all of these kinds of things are outlined, including the fact that I can be impeached if there was malfeasance in my role uh, at any time. So all of that is listed in our constitution. Well, we're going to have to take a break, Queen Cat. But when we come back, I want to talk about land ownership and rights and encroachment of the rich and the powerful uh, mm. in the land of the um, Gula Geechee Nation. And I want to talk about education and then talk about the environmental justice issues and how you promote your history, our history, culture, language, and homeland. You're listening okay. to Our Common Ground tonight. We are with Queen Cat Marquetta L. Goodwine. She is the head of state and the spiritual leader of the Gula Geechee Nation, a nation within this country. Disahu Wida. Did I get it? Disahu Wida. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we are our common ground, and we'll be right back. And we'll take your calls if you want to write it down at 347-838-9852. I'm Janice Graham, and thank you so very much for being with us tonight.
You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Giving voice to the black truth in America. Join the conversation at 347-838-9852. I want to know why I'm fine one minute and the next my body aches so bad I can't move. I want to know why my hair is falling out. I'm only 17. I'm tired all the time. Now, this rash. I just want to know what's going on. When you don't have the right answers, it may be time to ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope, visit couldihavelupus.gov or call 1-800-994-9662. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council. Drilling down. Just damn. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. This is Alpha, hosting the best of Pushback Talk Radio. The Alpha Show, only at TruthWorks Network, Fridays, 10 p.m. Every voice and sing till earth and heaven shall ring, ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. February of each year, the nation comes together celebrate the history of African-Americans. We hope you'll join us all month February on Our Common Ground. Live Saturday, 10 p.m. Coming up on Our Common Ground for Black History Month 2014. Dr. Susan K. Smith. Dr. Smith is the author of the Book of Jeremiah Wright, The Life and Ministry of Jeremiah A. Wright. She is the Gordon Cosby Seasoned Fellow at the Spirit House Project. Dr. Smith will be joining us on February 8th. On February 15th, the annual Our Common Ground Interactive Black History Game. We hope you'll come and test your knowledge of black history. And Dr. LaFrances Rogers Rose. On February 22nd, she is the founder and CEO of the International Black Women's Congress, is a celebrated author and lecturer, and we'll be pleased to have her join Our Common Ground once more. All on Our Common Ground, during the month we celebrate black history with the nation. History matters. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod, 
felt in the days when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers died. Lift every voice and sing. We hope you'll join us at our common ground. Celebrate Black History Month, February 2015. India Declare, real, raw, and right now. Join India Declare, real, raw, and right now. Fridays and Saturdays. 11 a.m. It's the I Declare Friday and Saturday brunch. If you want your news real and your talk raw and right now, it's Friday and Saturday. India Declare at the I Declare brunch. Real, raw, and right now, India is live. Friday and Saturday morning, 11 a.m. The I Declare show with India Declare. On Blog Talk Radio. India Declare. Real. Raw and right now. Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. If you're listening on a smart device, and you'd like to join our chatters in our chat room, you can come to blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG, and we hope that you will join us. As they say in the Gula Geechee, in the, in the Gula um, learning the language way, Disa, we home uh, tonight at our common ground. We're so pleased, uh, and I am just so, this is very special for me. I have known Queen Cat the head of state for the Gullah Geechee Nation for many, many years and watched as she has persevered and been victorious in ensuring the mission of uh, preserving, protecting, and promoting the history, culture, language, and homeland uh, and, of, and for official recognition of the governance rights necessary to maintain and build um, and retain a community uh, which is a nation, the Gullah Geechee Nation and Queen Cat. So thank you very much uh, for being with us again. Uh, we are honored. And in fact, I did stand. I want you to know when I introduce you, I did stand because heads of state should be regarded in their in in a greeting 
in in standing. I, and I don't I don't stand for you know like the president of the United States and the governor and all those people. Mm-hmm. I, I leave that to other people. But okay. you have you have been so victorious in your struggle to retain the rights. And 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 one of the things that I want to talk to you about. Uh, especially culturally and spiritually for black people in this country to understand that this is the only effort uh, in this country to really retain the authenticity of, of our culture and language and history in a way which is not only empowering, but is a preserve, a sanctuary. And, 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 and I, I think that people need to really understand and underscore the import of what you and the people in the Gullah Geechee Nation do on behalf of the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I've been concerned about, and you know, uh, I've watched you go through a lot of campaigns in in your work, yes. um, and and I mean single handedly you have moved mountains to make so many of this of these things uh, happen. But I have been concerned about the encroachment. Most of you out there know about Hilton Head, and all of you, you know, you get on with your travel agency and say, "Oh, I want to go to Hilton Head for a week." Uh, and you go to the big hotels on the coast, and um, then some months back I was talking to you here at Our Common Ground about eminent domain and the increase in taxes, especially in North Carolina within the Gullah Geechee Nation, and many people are being forced. I mean, it's almost natural in America that there would be a land grab here. Is that correct, uh, Queen Kent? Yes, it is, definitely. Land grab is the perfect terminology for it, and that's the terminology that we even use at the United Nations, uh, where I still represent our people. I am on the directorate for the International Human Rights Association for American Minorities and the International Human Rights Council. And when we discuss these issues of land grabs, many times people think you only are referring to Africa um, or other parts of the world and not really looking at the Sea Island coast and the dynamics of the land grab, one of which you mentioned, which is eminent domain. Because if the local government, if the county council and the state say, well, this particular area would be better served if it's used for public reasons, then they can use, they will offer a minimal amount to people, not necessarily so-called market value of their land, but a minimal amount. And people say, you got to be out your mind. I'm not, I'm not leaving here because where will I go? Eventually, they will go ahead and declare that in different ways. They'll either blight the area and say because it's blighted, we now have a right to use eminent domain because then that means we need to improve it, okay, which is what used to be called urban renewal, and then we started calling it Negro removal, and now they call it gentrification, which is kind of interesting because the gentry were, you know, still who come in and try to live on these sea islands in gated areas. 
And these places then have displaced a lot of people. They don't end up then taking the land to use it for any public access. They use it to then build condominiums and other things on it and then lock the public out of those places. You also have the widening of roads where we go back to my discussion of the negative part of tourism, like you mentioned with Hilton Head or even Myrtle Beach and these places, is because the more tourists come to recreate, the wider the road needs to be, they think, to get the traffic flow back and forth. So when you wind well, you know, the you road, be, you cut into you people's You can be service. my spiritual leader on this and calm me down. And mm-hmm. you all know that I am telling the truth. Mm-hmm. The number of Negroes from the, from the urban areas mm-hmm. who plan vacations and go into Myrtle Beach and Hilton mm-hmm. Head, and some of them are my friends. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like talking to them about Walmart, uh, okay. <laughs> you know. And, and, and we need to be having awareness yes. of what we, you know, the sellout in. is a buyout. How we yes. buy out our own people by not knowing our own history. Oh, yes. Definitely, that's an issue. And I'll tell you right now, there's a group that has been extraordinarily supportive of the Gullah Geechee Nation. They're in Philadelphia. They were able to bring a busload of very conscious people who did a great deal of economic support for the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, the Gullah Festival, various businesses that we set up for them. But do you know, they said they could not sell the trip if they did not include Myrtle Beach. Because since the people in their area had only heard about going to Myrtle Beach. I said, why would you go to Myrtle Beach? It's the commercialized beach. We who live here don't go to Myrtle Beach. We go to Hunting Island, which is the most visited beach in the state of South Carolina, and it is a national wildlife preserve. We work closely with them. They said because they ain't never heard of it. So even though that's what it is and it's been ranked the number one beach even in America by visitors, they'd rather go to Myrtle Beach only because that's been, I said, right, marketed to them, right? They said, right, and because somebody else black they know went there. So I said, right, so to now brag like, oh, you've been there, so have I, is a lot of what gets behind people not, they want to turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to anything you're telling them about the fact that then if you go there, you're walking over the blood, the sweat, and the tears, literally, of black people, Gullah Geechis, who were murdered for land. It happened in Charleston, South Carolina. It happened in Myrtle Beach and along the Strand. There are gated areas up and down from Myrtle Beach to Georgetown where that was all Gullah Geechee land. Many people don't even know about Atlantic Beach, which was a black-owned resort town. They don't know about American Beach that was a black-owned resort town owned by Gullah Geechis. So they also don't understand when we fight against governments that try to blight those historic areas now in order to let these resort areas and gated areas expand onto them. But we've had to fight these kind of cases over and over in courts Time and again, I know so much about law now. Every lawyer that comes up against me tries to depose me and tries to think that I'm lying, that I don't actually have a law license, okay? But I have to do this in order to try to keep the rest of our people here. So I'm hopeful that people who are really your friends 
will listen to this show tonight, or if they listen to it in the archive, that they will change their mindset about coming here. At least with the other group, they got them on board, they take them to Myrtle Beach for like 12 hours, and then they bring them to the reality. And then they go, oh, wow, we didn't realize. So they become disciples that go back and educate people as to why, like I said before, going in a little gated area, going to the tourist attraction isn't benefiting your own people. In fact, it's helping to displace us. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did have a conversation with a group in an organizing meeting um, maybe about a year ago trying to organize a conference, and my position was that um, – the um, South Sea Islands should be the only place that we go to do any conferencing. First of all, because of the spiritual nature of Mm -hmm. the location. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. You know, and how can we begin to, 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 I mean, how how can we go to uh, the Ritz Hotel in Mm -hmm. um, Manalapan, Florida, and call on some ancestors. What the hell? I'm sorry. <laughs> you may you call know. on some, but those ain't the ones I you probably wanted to bring up. Something else might show up. Yeah. <laughs> and you wonder what's but, going on and don't even realize what you just opened up. Okay. Exactly. And 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 so we really do have to begin to uh, connect the dots mm-hmm. about how we do whatever we do. We do. Right. Because not what you do, it's how you do it. Exactly. We should be Mm -hmm. saying to the places where we go, you know, people go to those places where they buy baskets. I mean, my daughter's a big basket person. She puts the towels in the basket. She puts the toys in the basket. She's got little things to put baskets in the basket. And and, 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 and we need to to ask the merchants where we spend our money, where do you get your baskets? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Absolutely right, because many people now, the sweetgrass basket makers, are gated out of where they gather their sweetgrass, so they have to import their sweetgrass to even sow traditional Gullah Geechee baskets in many cases. And then they've now had to compete with baskets that people actually get from China and put up signs along the King's Highway, which is Highway 17, running through the Gullah Geechee Nation, where you'll see many of the signs for our corridor signs. And people will put out these baskets that come from somewhere else that are half the price or 25% the price of a Gullah Geechee sweetgrass basket. But they'll put a sign there and say, these are sweetgrass baskets. So to a tourist, they don't know any better. And they'll buy that. And then when they see an actual Gullah Geechee sewing one and they hear the price, they wonder, well, why would they charge so much? I just got this one for $10. You know, and that basket is really worth 100 when a Gullah Geechee makes it. So mm-hmm. you do need to question where some of these items are coming from, who really made them, as well as when you're coming into a place, don't assume because you got a brochure from somewhere with a sweetgrass picture on it that Gullah Geechee are the ones that own that place. Why not reach out to us? Technology allows you to do that from the palm of your hand now. So you have no excuse to say, I went down there, but I didn't know how to find the Gullah Geechee people. I mean, I, I wouldn't want anybody to say that to me because I don't think that um, I would be so kind. Uh, let's talk about the festivals and the celebration of culture uh, and some of the oral traditions. Um, the last time that I was 
in the South Sea Islands, one of the things that I enjoyed, and I think about this in terms of how I construct um, where I want to be when I'm not working and on the radio, it's just sitting in the grass on a, on the front porch, listening to people tell the stories, the oral mm-hmm. tradition, um, mm-hmm. uh, being able to just luxurate in my own history rather than somebody else's artificial revision of my history. Tell us about how that works for people who live within the nation. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> you know, because you already yeah. got me ready to eat some some shrimp, some Creole shrimp and, uh, right. and mean, Yeah, okra gumbo and things like that. Okay, because we don't make the Creole shrimp, yeah, but we do okra oh, okay. noodles and gumbo and things like that. We do frog stew and all them kind of things. But I tell you what, okay, first and foremost, let's go to the sitting out and hearing the stories because that's a dynamic that has become frustrating to us, not only as Gullah Geechee's, but because this is Black History Month, African Heritage Month, we need to clarify something. Storytelling is a genre of entertainment. Now, being a griot, a griote, a jele, a jele musa is different than being just a storyteller. The griot, the jele, the jele musa are community-respected historians that keep the oral tradition. The Gullah Connection and I are going on our Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy World Tour. This show tonight kind of kicks it all off for us. When we go out, we present in a special genre I created called histomusical presentation. We edutain. So there are those within our community. There are those of the Gullah Geechee Angel Network. There are a few of us who actually go out, Day Clean Journeys, the African Spirit of Day Clean, that actually go out and present our story. Many people watch Gullah Geechee TV. We present our story. We are not trying to entertain you, but entertain you. We want you to receive and connect with our culture the way we do it amongst our people. So what we express to you is something that is usually proverbial. So you're being educated even when you might not realize it. Even when you're laughing, you might not realize it. But there is our story embedded and something that you can grow from and real knowledge that you can take on forward in life, not just a bunch of jokey joke, funny stuff and about some animals and foolishness. Okay, but because, again, the tourist industry thing, a lot of black people are just being hired to make somebody laugh. A lot of black people are being hired just to sing to people. And so when you start getting into the food here we go, because now you have a bunch of people opening up places or writing cookbooks saying it's Gullah Geechee food. But when Gullah Geechee tastes it, we don't know what that is. So we're like, what? This supposed to be what now? Huh? <laughs> you know, you cook them like that? Uh-uh. You know, so we have, again, industry driving certain things that's not the experience you got. See, your listeners are hearing your experience, and they probably, oh, I want to do that, but they'll go to the Chamber of Commerce. Chamber of Commerce ain't going to give you that, okay? You have to, again, be in our community with us to truly Nampon what we the Nampon, so you can actually have some of our real cuisine, and you have to be amongst us to hear us fully share from our hearts and our souls about who we are, who our ancestors have been, who our elders are in the community, and all that we've strived through and are still striving through. So those dynamics, when you mentioned the festivals, 
the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival. It is an authentic Gullah Geechee Festival that only allows Gullah Geechee presenters and our artists. We have what's called a living marketplace. They are there actually creating the quilts, the nets. There are painters there. There are doll makers there. They're doing all of this right there with you. And why is it the living marketplace? You can talk to them and ask them, how are you doing that? How come you do that? Really, you learn that from your great-great-granddaddy, your great-great-grandma, and you learn a story or our story. You learn black history right there on the spot. This is the living dynamic. Even our chefs, our cooks for the festival are Native people who have continued the tradition. So you're not just getting some frozen something that we microwaving and selling it to you for five times what it really should cost. So these are, are the things that we want to continue within the Gullah Geechee Nation so people really learn who we are. We have a festival now in the Gullah Geechee Nation every month of the year except December and January. And some of these festivals that are going on are totally commercial, and they are totally done for tourists and just to make money, but not to entertain, not to educate, and, and they want to be safe. So they want to have singing and dancing and stuff, but they don't want to talk about our story and some of the issues and dynamics associated with it. So you have to really connect to the people to get that. So, see, that's that experience you had because you believe in truly supporting a community. You believe in your own people. Otherwise, you wouldn't do a radio show like this. You see what I'm saying? Because it ain't like it's just your people in chat room listening. You know that the government is listening. You know, and I don't mean the Gullah Geechee Nation government, even though they were listening. You know? So... When you do a, do something like this, it's because it has to come from your heart and it has to come from a mindset that says, I'm there to learn, not I want you to just entertain me. And that makes all the difference in the world. You see what I mean? So, so we have to have people really grow to that point and recognize the value. And that's when people in the community will welcome you with open arms. And you get to experience these things, and you get to yam putting the tater pond and you know fry fish and yep. you know mm-hmm. shrimp and gravy and grits and yellow grits and that kind of thing. <laughs> and don't and, and don't want to yeah, leave. Physically. And don't want to leave. You're right. Don't and drink don't want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 and now that's we got the hard part. part. <laughs> that's the real hard part. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> now let's talk. Let's talk a little about education and 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 how the nation protects their children in mm. the in the in the in the state education uh, system. Yeah, it's interesting because since most of the public schools here are the same like anywhere else. It is a state educational system. But one of the things that traditional Gullah Geechee's always recognize is your child shouldn't be beginning to be educated after they reach kindergarten. Their first education is at home. And Mm -hmm. the blessed thing is because people call us clannish, they call us insular, they call us all kind of names, uh, isolated. Because of all those dynamics that people call that in English, we keep our children real close to us. Okay, and our community is not compartmentalized the way it is in a lot of the rest of Western society. So church and the mosque and uh, school and the grocery store and the dirt road, all that's connected. So you go out in school for learn. That would be the send hundred for. Get hundred learning. Now you, before you get home, you done did something wrong in school. 
Your mom and daddy know that. They ain't tolerating that. And you gonna be sorry by the time you get there. Now comes Sunday morning. <laughs> you get to the place of worship. Everybody know that there. They ain't gonna tolerate it either. So you get yourself tore up a few different kind of ways before you get back to school. Okay. So you need to straighten and fly right. So also in terms of what we feel our children should learn, we don't think it all comes from books. There's a lot more common sense stuff that's going to take you further in life, and you learn that from living, and that's what happens with the family and the family compound. So you learn a lot of that within the compound. And many of us who are very active, especially as people say in the political realm, we still engage with the schools. So we physically go to the schools and see what's needed, and we volunteer, and we give our time, we give our expertise back. The college graduates here, many retired and then say, I can't let that school go down like that. I had to go back to work. And they go back in the school because they love the children. The biggest thing is the love for, our, uh, for God, for our family, for our children, our land. These are major things for us. And so that's kind of how we have to deal with it. And so we've had the Go Get Sea Island Coalition has led protests against the boards of education in various counties in South Carolina and various other things. These are the only things that tend to wake these people up and put a shock to the system. And you can't sit at home and then complain what they don't do at school. You're the parent and you're the taxpayer. You own that building, and you pay them people's salary that's up in there. So you need to go and then state your demands and act on them, but not just sit home and complain because that's not going to change anything. And then I would encourage, again, your readers have to read at home. How are you going to expect your child to be so super literate and they never saw you read a book? It's great that you listen to the show tonight and you may listen to a lot of things online now and you may YouTube everything, but you need to read Okay, that's going to expand your mind and your focus. So we try to encourage that, even if it's your child is not interested in, you know, Jane Rand or whatever them books are, but they are interested in fishing. Then find some books about fishing. You know, they may be like me. I didn't care about them other books. I cared when I started seeing brown people on the cover of the book. And when I found books with brown people on the cover, I always checked them out of the library. On St. Helena Island, we have a state-of-the-art library here. Um, so people all over from Hilton Head and everywhere else in Beaufort County, South Carolina, are ticked off that the most advanced state-of-the-art library along this entire Gullah Geechee Nation coast, and people visit here told me it may be the most advanced one they ever seen in the United States, um, is on St. Helena Island in the heart of the Gullah Geechee Nation and the most populated Gullah Geechee Sea Island um, from end to end. And so, you know, here it is that this is part of what we do. We don't just expect it to happen during school hours. Education is all the time, and it has to be participatory on all ends for everybody, not just the teacher in the classroom getting a check. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and do you find that children who live within the nation and live closely in family compounds, uh, that they leave they 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 go to college and they don't come back oh that used to happen now that used to happen a great deal and i've mentioned this to numerous people before those of us who are honor students they actually paid you to leave the state they wanted you to leave the state to go somewhere else Mm -hmm. to study because what they expected is then they could get the brain trust out and you wouldn't be here 
so you would not fight against some of the other issues that would come up. Uh-huh. But now, because there's a younger generation that's starting to evolve in their true consciousness of their culture at an earlier age, you have a lot more younger people who want to be entrepreneurs, and they want to do it right here. So even if they go to college, they're doing online classes now, which are less expensive when you look at tuition plus room and board and all the other things, um, meal plans and all that going off to school in a lot of cases. Or they go to a university that's in the town, and they could drive back and forth all the time. Um, so fortunately, we have a lot of the Gullah Geechis that if they're in a family compound, they have more support from family members, so they're a little bit more encouraged to keep going to try to really fully get your education. I find that when people have these parents who have lived in urban environments or have lived away from the compound to live maybe more and where they've been displaced, like gentrified out of the city in Charleston and pushed out into the outskirts in West Ashley, North Charleston, or like they live in Savannah, they live in Jacksonville, a lot of high crime, a lot of high poverty because people are disenfranchised. Those students might want to go to college and can't get in because they don't have all the grades because of all the other issues they're dealing with every day. They're having to combat and fight these issues every day, so they can't even put the energy into their studies the way they want to. And so they don't also have that family always around to say, but you can do it. You're going to do it. Come stay with me. I'm going to make sure you get to school. I'm going to make sure that I help you fill out these grant applications. I'm going to make sure that you get to these things for extracurricular activities that you need on these college um, applications. So... This this dynamic is very interesting depending on where they are. So when you said family compound, that's a critical part of a lot of students that I do see. If they go to college away, they come back sooner. They don't they don't come back like when they're in a box or they don't come back when they retire at 65. You know, they come back home right after graduation saying, well, I'd rather get a job home if I could, or I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to get me and some of my classmates, let's start a business. Or they go away to get married, because if you're like me, you're from two Gullah Geechee families. Almost everybody around you is related to you. You ain't doing that. We don't marry family members. So give me your cousin 25th, remove your bet, not marry him, that's your family. So they go away, they get married, they find out, oh, we're having a baby. They're like, oh, we're going home. <laughs> I want my uh-huh, turn to be around uh-huh. family. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that brings so, me so. to the question of housing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is there an, an effort to uh, bring outsiders into the nation? Uh, no. I, uh, no, we don't have any such effort. They've come uh-huh. in here on their own. We don't have no effort to bring them. Uh huh. And, and what about housing for elderly people and housing for dis, uh, disabled people? affordable housing, home ownership uh, opportunities. Okay. Well, there's a lot. Okay, home, let me tell you uh-huh. something. Most of our elders here that I mentioned earlier, 80s, 90s, 100, they own their houses, they own their land. Um, Gullah Geechee's, as I mentioned earlier, in 1862, actually bought land at auction. Most Gullah Geechee's that live on the Sea Islands, and if they live in family compounds, they own that land. They don't have no mortgage or nothing like that. Okay. Uh 
when we talk about the houses, the elders built their houses out of pocket, meaning there was no mortgage for various reasons. They didn't loan money to black people. That's number one. Number two, they had better sense than that. Okay, to go borrow money for something and use their land as collateral to lose it all. They didn't do it. They built the house they could afford out of their pocket. That's affordable housing to a real Gullah Geechee. Now, all right, now. People, yeah, that's affordable housing to a real Gullah Geechee. So now when people say affordable housing in other arenas that I, that I engage with, I've learned there's a trick to it. There are destructionaries. People call them developers. They will look at the statistics for the poverty level of the local community and the mean average and median average community, and they'll say, well, there's a need for affordable housing. These houses then are 100000 maybe $200,000 homes now. They will build them because HUD will, Housing and Urban Development in the U.S., will give them kickbacks. If they build houses and then they say, well, 60% of those are affordable housing, 40% will be sold at market value. And then yeah. they get a kickback for that. The county gets a kickback. They build it, and then after five to ten years, depending on where, what state they're in, they can start to move the people who are like Section 8 and others who were first in there out and then sell those houses to somebody else who's quote-unquote more affluent. So that's a hustle game, that whole affordable housing thing. Um, uh-huh. And so with our elders and our disabled people, and God willing, we don't have that many people that's really, really fully disabled. But with the elders, those elders' children and their grandchildren, there's usually someone who will still stay with them, and they would take care of them at home. We don't like to put our people in nursing homes or anything like that. That usually only happens if it's an extreme case or the children just really cannot afford to, say, move back home and take care of them or something like that, move them where they live and take care of them. So usually there there are some senior housing, but usually the senior housing is like veterans now that have been moved into there because the VA may say, okay, your condition is such that this housing is designed to really help you so they'll live there. Or, again, it's a situation where the elder doesn't have children or anybody. And so they'll say, well, I want to live there. Or somebody like, you know, Janice Graham, who keep hinting at the fact that she want to live down here, you know, but she ain't got no cousins or nothing on the island. You know, and she might say, well, you know, I'm this age now. I can get in one of them senior houses, you know. And then they'll live in these very nice um, senior houses, senior complexes, some with assisted living and some not. You know, this is just where people their age live, but they're not gated. They can still, you know, do things for themselves. And then there's assisted living where you have uh, shared, like, common room for activities and stuff, but you still can do your own cooking and whatever else. And there's still nurses and people that live there. So we do have a range of those, and it just depends on what county and what state in the Gullah Geechee Nation you're in, how affordable those are, you know, and how, how well they're upkept and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark, Mark, uh, the Queen Cat. You, you, we joke about it, but you know, part of my retirement plan has has been for many, many years is to retire uh, eight months out of the year in Madagascar, and because no, really, of, and because you love of to move what, it, move it. Oh, go ahead. I just couldn't help myself. Well, because of. <laughs> Um, of, of many of the affairs of the government in, ma- in that country and uh, because of the lack of, I don't know, something they can't seem to control. They keep having these Ebola breakouts 
Really? Um, I've kind of put, yeah, I've kind of put that uh, beside me. So if a person wanted to really explore uh, moving into um, into one of the islands, like I would love to live, my favorite island in the Gula Geechee Nation is John's Island in South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, those trees, those angel oak trees. I could build a house in one of the uh, tree house in one of those trees and live there. As well, there's only one angel oak. There's, there's live oak, but there's only one angel oak. There's only one. Oh, there's only one. There's but only there's one angel oak. Acres, there's seventeen. There's seventeen acres around that one tree. That we just fought for, and we're about to get the other seventeen. So there'll be thirty-four acres to protect that tree because there is only one. Now, what is the significance of the tree? The angel oak, if anybody goes to Gullah Geechee TV, just Gullah TV, and you go, or go to YouTube and Google Queen Quet Angel Oak, you will see this massive, massive, massive oak tree that is grown on John's Island for we can't count how many hundreds of years that tree has to be old. And that tree is a very spiritual and sacred ground for us here. And so that is why we fought to protect that tree for many, many generations to come. And people who are tree lovers and people who have even gone to rainforests and other, you know, parts of the world and everything, they come there and they are absolutely awestruck and amazed that an oak tree could grow that large. And you can feel a spiritualness there like angels are all around you and sitting on every branch when you see the angel oak. So there's only one angel oak. We also have only one Emancipation Oak, which is a Port Royal, and one Emancipation Oak on St. Helen, and that's because the Emancipation Proclamation was first read here in the Gullah Geechee Nation at those trees. All the other trees that you see with the Spanish moss hanging down are live oaks, and we have other varieties of oak trees that are throughout the Gullah Geechee Nation, and it's a very significant tree um, in our community. So you will see a lot of oak line dirt roads here, and John's Island is famous for those oak line dirt roads, but there is only one angel oak tree. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are listening and you are in the chat room, I did post uh, a link. Going so that yeah. you can see a picture of of the angel oak tree. Our number is 347-838-9852, and you're listening to Our Common Ground. And our guest uh, tonight is the head of the nation of the Gula Geechee Nation, Queen Cat Marquetta L. Goodwine. Uh, and if you'd like to talk with her and ask her a question or... Uh, get a ticket. <laughs> the number is six four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. Let me ask you, um, uh, in 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 looking at this issue of protecting this angel oak tree, and 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 also I'd like to mention for those of you who would like to know more about the Gula Geechee Nation, you can catch Gula Geechee. TV Nation News with Queen Cat. Uh, what are your broadcast uh, times? Well, you can always TV find company? it if you go yeah to Gullah TV and that's G U L L A H 
G-E-E-C-H-E-E dot TV. You can always catch the previous episodes, but each Wednesday is when we usually have new episodes broadcast there. And Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio, which is also a blog talk radio program, is each Monday night at 7 p.m. live. So every Monday at 7 p.m. live. And this month, because of the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy World Tour launching, we have a number of stops that are on Monday nights. So I'm actually going to broadcast tomorrow night at 7 p.m. this time. So my listeners who tune in on Monday will have to listen to the archive, and then the following Monday will be the same because I'll be traveling as well then. But that is our standard time at 7 p.m. So And Ed, the shows are available on iTunes for free. They can also follow your show, and they can follow my show if they go to our blog, Talk Walls, and then that way you always know when a new show is up. And you can always listen to it later on if you miss it when it's live. So that's the blessing of technology. So it's wonderful because there's so many people that do follow us. And then with GullahGeecheeNation.com, our blog, we always post additional information for shows. So there will be other history behind a show, whether it's a radio show or the television show, and we'll post additional information there for the historians or the people who want to delve deeper into the topic and so that they can also share those. And that's, I noticed that you shared the Angelope one, and people are raving now in the chat room over that one. But that's the way that people can always view the shows. And if they're on Twitter and they follow at Gullah Geechee or on Instagram at Gullah Geechee, you'll see when we also post that we have another show up and those kinds of things. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, one of the things that I really want to um, have you talk more about is, as head of state, what are the most important pieces of the political agenda for the nation? Our major political agenda or focal point of our political agenda is to keep our people on our land and to have our people owning their land because once you have land, it is an asset. And so with that asset, you can multiply your various assets and you can be economically empowered and you are enfranchised. So you can grow your own food, you can build your own home, you can do a number of things there have your own healing herbs, so on and so forth. So that is our major focus, as well as making sure that in terms of the international arena, and it's a constant battle with the United States government, of course, that we are recognized for having our own leadership and that people realize they need to negotiate with the leadership of the Gullah Geechee Nation that the community selected whenever they are trying to make decisions that are going to have an impact on our community. So our biggest thing right now is you mentioned those land grabs. People have been taxed off of land. We are still trying to raise additional money to help people pay for land uh, taxes, that the land taxes had been due January 15th. So now that means not only the exorbitant tax bill, but also additional fees have been added or penalties, late penalties have been Mm -hmm. added to that, and they continue to accrue. And then this is one of the ways that people end up with their land getting lost at auctions. So with the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy Fund, we are raising money through this tour. We are also raising money online. Like if people go to our Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook page, they will see a yellow button there that says Give, and when they click on it, they can donate online from wherever they are in the world to that fund because it helps to not only educate families about their land rights 
and the things that they can do to maintain their land, but also help us with legal funds to fight these kind of issues. And then when we have additional funds, we help various families and various institutions or organizations in the community that also need help with land taxes many times, or they help them do fundraisers at least to raise these taxes, because that has been the biggest issue over time, is people trying to recapture this coastline since the, the Civil War because those who had enslaved our ancestors had no concept that those that they considered property would ever become property owners. And so we still have a political fight to educate people the world over that we own this land. People think of sharecropping. We were never sharecroppers here. They think of people just squatting, I guess, or living on the land or something. That is not the case. So they do not often understand when we say we're fighting to hold on to land. It's like they get confused. How do black people own land in the South? They do still? Yes, we do, and have had it since 1862. So my thing is we want to continue to be on it. We want to continue to live on it, how God so shows us. We want to crack, we teach the way we want to do anything like that. Upon we want to. And so when you have your own land, you have your own leadership, you're independent, and hence why you would have people constantly trying to undermine that independence. And so we are constantly in these political arenas and constantly battling, having to enlighten our own so that they realize how they need to support. Because as you mentioned way earlier in the show, we're not doing it just for us as Gullah Geechees. We're doing this for all the African family. Because when you all finish and, and, and all that stuff keep on happening in these other places. And you talk about you want to go back, where are you going to? Okay, That's right. and who are you going to? That's right. And, you know? and one of the problems, and you have to put it in the context, folks, of uh, what black people are doing. And we do have a call, and I want to go to, my, uh, to, to the phone. But one of the things that we are doing is, we, we, we're running away from drugs. We're running away from bad schools in our urban areas. We're running away from neighborhoods that are deteriorating. We're running away from all the, uh, the, the police brutality, the drug war. And we run to the suburbs, and we run into another war. Mm-hmm. You know, I have always believed that black people have to be very, very careful with their children and have a strategic plan for how you're going to protect children from having their minds bent yes. where yes. they pick the white doll because the white yes. doll because the black doll is ugly, the bad That's black right. doll is bad. There you go. And, and and if you're running into another harnessness of that same thing, you still are not protecting your children. Let's go to our phones with Queen Kepquet of the Gula Geechee Nation. 610, you're on the air. Thank you for your call. I respect you. Uh, Hotep, uh, Brother Brock, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hotep, Brother Brock. Enjoying the show. Good day to you and your host, your guest. Uh, So glad to hear the topic. Um, Basically, I just wanted to quickly chime in just to say I'm learning, and I did a vacation in uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina, a couple years ago with the family, and I was fortunate enough to uh, go drop down with our neighbor who who has three with the Geechee culture. I believe his grandparents were Geechee, if I remember correctly, 
So as we drove, he was telling me a, a few things about it. And then when we got there, that's the first thing we witnessed was the land grab because it is a, a, a resort area. And on, on right before the resort area is, is the, uh, the, the huge military base. So and then right. and then it's the military base, the, the the huge resort area, Hilton Head, and then it's the water. So you're trapped, and 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 we could tell just like so many other places that have a black culture, when when the money moves in, uh, either either some people voluntarily sell to get better, or the majority are forced out due to high taxes. So mm-hmm. we made sure we tried our best to find what remain in black. Um, owners of of either hotel or, or, or excuse me, not hotel, but um, restaurant and mm-hmm. or uh, shops. Uh, yeah. the jazz music was the jazz music was awesome that we went to when we went to mm-hmm. the, um, the cafe. So we indulged in the culture even though we were there vacation, and we wanted to make sure just like any time we we, we we hit the side streets. So that yeah. was the best part that I enjoyed. So. Uh, we went to one of these museums. It was a, 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 a Gullah Museum, and I wish I could remember the name of it, but it is part of the tourist section of the uh, uh, Hilton Head. So I think, I, and, and it must be the only one because I could, you know, it's, it might be well, another there, this well, one. Well, actually, on Hilton Head, there's the Gullah Museum of Hilton Head, which is Gullah Geechee owned. And that's probably not what you're talking about because I don't think it was even open yet when you were there. It was still trying to renovate the small house. You are probably actually talking about what the town of Hilton Head set up as a Gullah Museum on a piece of property to draw people there to see so-called Gullah stuff. Uh, And they benefit (laughs) from that. Uh, So I'm sure that's what was open when you were there at Honey Horn. Gotcha. Okay. Brother Ruxley, so thank you for your call um, and right. your Enjoy. support of our common ground. Your your family, no doubt. Hotel and keep up the great work. Thank you, thank you. Tinky, Tinky, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> uh, um, we gonna get you to say Gullah before this show is over too. <laughs> Gullah, Gullah, Gullah Geechee, Gullah Geechee. She got it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Queen Cat, it has been such an honor to have you with us tonight and to kick off our black history. This is history. This is the history that we made. Yes, and our making. Absolutely, and our making. And I'm I'm really looking forward to, um, I I think the the festival that you're having is in October, you say? August. The first August. one that we're going to have that the Gullah Geechee Nation sponsors and people can go to info will be the first weekend of August. And it will be in Charleston this year. And we are also going to have Gullah Geechee Family Day. And we're going to take people up the coast from Charleston to Myrtle Beach so you learn our story. We're going to be doing a sacred ceremony in the Georgetown area. Uh, and so that people will be able to actually learn our story from us and share with us on that journey. So that's the first weekend in August, and then the Gullah Geechee uh, Seafood Festival will be here at Hunting Island, St. Helena Island. That will be in October, and that's usually that's the last weekend I've, of I've October. To come yeah. to. You that's just want to eat, that's all. See? Yeah, See, that's I all do. It is. I just, I, I just <laughs> want to sit with the people and, and, and do nothing. 
This yeah, is a place where, <laughs> where you can grow and do nothing at the same time. You're going to have to you. come back uh, and and tell us more about the wonderful work that you're doing, especially uh, I'd like to really do a show with you about the work that you have done uh, and the U.N., uh, in regard to human rights that really benefits all of us as Africans yeah. in America. Definitely, so we will do that. So thank you so very much, my dear sister, and may the force be with you. And our thank ancestors so are so very pleased by what you have done with your life. I thank you so much. And if any of your listeners want to support us, they can always email us to G-U-L-L-G-E-E. C-O at AOL.com or go to net. become a member of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, and we hope that we'll have an opportunity where you and I can do something together, maybe up there in Boston, a Gullah Geechee event to also help raise awareness and fundraising and so forth. I, and so I anybody wants that. to also do that, email us and we can connect and do some things. But I, I truly I appreciate standing tonight on our common ground. Well, thank you so very much, Queen Cat Marquetta L. Goodwine. Thank you for being with us. Um, we love you, my sister. And that is history, folks. And we hope that you will tell the story uh, during this Black History Month. Don't forget to join us, please, next week with Reverend Dr. Susan K. Smith. She is a former senior pastor of Advent United Church of Christ in Columbus, Ohio. She's a 1986 graduate of Yale Divinity School where she earned her Master's in Divinity. And uh, she is currently a senior seasoned fellow at the Gordon Cosby Seasoned Fellow at the Spirit House Project in Atlanta, Georgia. She is the author of a number of books, um, including um, including books regarding the special, the equity and dignity, and building respect and responsibility in Black faith. She was the president of Bread, which is Building Responsibility, Equity, and Dignity a multiracial, multi-ethnic social justice organization uh, comprised of over 50 different religious denominations in Columbus, Ohio. She is the author of, a, of four books, Carla and Annie, From Calvary to Victory, Forgive Who, and Crazy Faith, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Lives. This month, only about two weeks ago, she published a new book, The Book of Jeremiah Wright, The Life and Ministry of Jeremiah A. Wright, Jr. And she is going to be our guest on next Saturday night here at Our Common Ground. And then on February 15th, we're going to be doing the annual Our Common Ground Black History Game. You'll have to bring your tablets and a pencil or pen. You'll have to keep your score. And in the first hour, we'll be doing the testing where you will be 
uh, inputting your your questions and your answers. Um, we'll have our lines open, and you'll be able to call in and comment on a question, but not give the answer. Um, and then in the second hour, we'll have people calling in and getting their scores and how they did and what areas of black history we really you really need to concentrate on and um, get it right. We thank you and we hope that you will uplift our people in the way in which you live every month of the year in understanding why history matters and how history can guide this journey. I'm Janice Graham, and I thank you so very much for being with us, and we hope to see you next week. Don't forget, you can like us on Facebook. You can Twitter us and follow us at Janice OCG, and don't forget about TruthWorks Network, our sister channel here at Blog Talk Radio. Don't forget that we are also on Tumblr, Pinterest, and we you can find us all over the web through our main and official website, OurCommonGround.com. And I want to remind you, you can still make calls on behalf of IRP6, and we hope that you do. We are still waiting for information in April in regard to the film, Wilmington on Fire. Joining us in on February 25th will be Dr. LaFrances Rogers-Rose. She is the founder and CEO of the International Black Women's uh, Organization, and she has been doing the work of black liberation for more than 40 years, and we'll hear her voice. Coming in March, my good friend, um, Norman Goldman of the Norman Goldman Show is going to be joining us talking about independent talk radio. I'm Janice Graham. Thank you so very much. And please do teach, reach, and live black history during this month of celebration.